What if the way you've been telling your life story reveals the secret to what is holding you back? Stories play an integral part in how we see not only ourselves, but the whole world. Stories are more than just an important part of communication. They also reveal hidden aspects of our inner talk, which can either support us or end up holding us back from the very things we want most in life without us even realizing it. Join author, mindset coach, and award-winning singer-songwriter Carrie Rowan on her show, Look for the Good, every Monday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. when she shares nuggets of wisdom from her internationally best-selling book, Tell a New Story, Five Simple Steps to Release Your Negative Stories and Bring Joy to Your Life. Carrie's powerful stories and compelling guests will empower you to change how you look at your own life while giving you some powerful tools and tips you can use every day to help you feel better and move yourself closer to the life you've been longing to live. Hello, everybody, and welcome. I'm Carrie Rowan, your host of Look for the Good on Syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio every Monday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. Eastern Time. You can listen online or on your mobile device or in your car or even ask Alexa to play Dream Vision 7 Radio. To learn more and for a full schedule, go to www.dreamvision7radio.com and evolve with us as we unite humankind in universal love. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Look for the Good. And as always, what we do here is we find a way to look for our good because why our brains are so perfectly predisposed to look for what is not good. So we got to get in there. We got to rewire that stuff, right? And we talk a lot about our stories. And I can't wait to introduce our special guest, Laura, who's waiting in the wings for you. And we're going to talk about today one of my favorite topics, which is the turnaround story. Everybody loves the turnaround story, right? And hello, I'll just say hello, Laura, as you're sitting over there. Welcome, Laura. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. Um, And so I love talking about the turnaround story. So the turnaround story is that story. It's that big story that you're afraid to tell anybody. It's the story that you think is so awful and so embarrassing and so filled with shame. Oh my God, you could never tell anybody the story, right? We all have one of these. We might even have multiple uh, (laughs) turnaround stories, but the turnaround story is sometimes called the comeback story in sports, right? the Cinderella story, if you will. There's a lot of different names for it, but it's that story. And you know the one I'm talking about. So as we're talking today with Laura and we unravel some of her story and her biggest turnaround story and how it ended up leading her down this path in life she couldn't have imagined without that happening. Right, Laura? Right. Oh, absolutely. And so that's what I love about the turnaround story. I talk about, I have a whole chapter in my book dedicated to the turnaround story because it's that important. It's so important. And and I always tell people that the secret to what's holding you back in life is the way you tell your life stories, right? It's the way you share those stories or don't share those stories. Or it's those little stories that we make up in our head that half the time they're not even true, right? And so those are the ones we have to get in and understand what they are and ask ourselves the hard questions. Hey, why am I telling myself this story? This is not even true. Um, so that's the coolest thing I love about this work because once you start to become aware of those stories, you can't go back to being unaware. So let's start to unravel it. Let me read um, Laura's bio because she's super interesting and she's just like a super talent. So you have to hear all about her. So Laura Cheadle is an attorney, a TEDx speaker, and a betrayal recovery expert who works with those who've been betrayed by their intimate partner and want to move through the soul-shattering shock and devastation and be okay again. Her life choreography, I love that, life choreography betrayal recovery process empowers clients to build their identity, rebuild their identity, I should say, and self-worth so they can move towards 
with confidence. They want to move forward with confidence in themselves and to re- be able to trust the world again. And I, and I love that. And I feel that. And I know a lot of you can relate to that in many, many ways. We've all been betrayed at some point in our lives. So welcome, Laura. Thank again. you, Carrie. I'm so happy to be here and talk about all this wonderful, juicy stuff. And I love your bio. It's so incredible. I love how you started off as an attorney. Like, I totally get that because I thought I was going to do that too and took my LSATs after college and all that. And then life just tends to bring us in a different direction, right? And so share with us a little bit about what you didn't expect that happened. You know, you you were going to be a lawyer and and what happened there? What was your pivot that you made? Yeah, well, I practiced law for 10 years and I thought that women could have it all. I thought we could do it all. I thought we could have these amazing power careers. We could do yoga. We could be relaxed. We could see our girlfriends. We could be wives and moms and all of that good stuff. And I had this point 10 years in where I had a 22-month-old. I had a newborn. I had three out of my four grandparents in hospice. And my husband had a job where he was traveling two weeks out of every month. And it was just like, oh my gosh, something has got to give. And I don't really want it to be my sanity. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So that was the point. That was kind of my first turnaround story where I just had to walk away. I just had to stop. And I did. I walked away from a really lucrative, enjoyable corporate career. And I started working with other women, mostly, who were at that same place that I was, who thought they could do it all and were finding themselves completely exhausted. Mm. And I started doing, yeah, kind of my own part-time mom wellness business. And, you know, that worked great. That worked great for many, many years. I was teaching yoga and fitness and doing hypnotherapy and all of this great stuff. And right as my youngest was about to graduate from high school, I was like, I made it. I can finally start traveling with my husband. I can finally lean into all the wonderful things that I want to do. My life is opening up. That's when I found out my husband had been cheating on me for 15 years. Right at that point where I had made it and everything was going to get good. Oh, my. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is unbelievable because you thought you were right at that stage, right? You're just ready to launch out. You finally get some freedom. You did it. You got the kids through school. (laughs) (laughs) I totally, totally get that. And your kids were so close in age as were mine. And that's you know, we could have a whole show on that because that is a very unique struggle as well. And, you know, somebody told me having two babies like that really young is super isolating. And I didn't get that until I got that right. Like, because mm-hmm. it is because we're go, go, go. And that's, and that's amazing. So how did you, how did you deal with that? How did you turn that around, Laura? Yeah, that's, let me tell you, that's a big one because it touches every single area of your life. It's not just like, oh, one little thing went wrong. No, my entire identity, my entire everything that I had worked for, everything that I had sacrificed for, everything was not as I thought that it was. Yeah. So, yeah, I spent a couple of weeks on the floor in tears trying to wrap my head around it 
Because one of the things that people don't talk about is you literally go into shock. It's not like, oh, I was so shocked. No, 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 no. You're in shock to find out the past. You're telling me the past 15 Christmases, anniversaries, vacations. You're telling me none of that was real. Wait, what? You go into shock. Mm -hmm. And shock happens even before grief. And you just need that time to let your body and your entire system acclimate. And somewhere along that line, where I was laying on the floor, just crying and sobbing and trying to get myself through, it really dawned on me that the choice was mine, what I did with this. Mm -hmm. I could truly let this ruin me and I would be justified in letting this ruin me. I could be bitter. I could be angry. I could hate on people. I could turn my kids against my husband. I could turn all my friends and family. I could make this really vicious. Mm. Or I could do something else with it. And I wasn't quite sure what something something else meant, Mm -hmm. but I really was acutely aware that I had a choice. And I thought, you know what? Now is the opportunity. Everything's already broken. Now is my opportunity to rebuild. I don't have to break things. I, I get to rebuild. This is a huge gift. And now is the time that I can look within and I can start thinking about all of those things that I never addressed along the way. All of those things that I just got busy and covered up and brushed aside. And maybe now is my time to address that because everything's in a shambles anyway. Mm-hmm. And that's what I started doing. Let's look at everything for the past, really, 23 years. We had been married 23 years at that point. Let's just start uncovering. That's amazing. I love that. I love the way you took your power back, which is really hard to do. It sounds easy now when we can look back, right? But it's not. It's a big decision to say, wait a second. I'm going to take 100% responsibility of that. I, I love that mindset of taking the responsibility and saying, I have a choice here. I can go down this path of resentment and you'd be totally justified. Absolutely. 100%. Nobody would question you on that. Right. Or right. you can take that higher road and take a look at, you know, oh, wait a second. Like you're saying, what you're really saying is what was my part in this? Right. Which is so hard because we want to blame because that is we didn't do that. You know, we're over here trying to run the family and do all this, you know? Right. Right. So yeah. that's and even, even those things that really had nothing to do with the marriage. You know, my, my tagline in my work is that betrayal uncovers the truth mm-hmm. of everything that you have refused to see and address in yourself, yeah. you know, and just all the ways I didn't own my power. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's one of the things I wrote down. I love that tagline because it does, it uncovers it. And there's a certain sense of relief that comes, right? It's a weird thing. I wrote a song about this once, but there's a sense of relief. It's it's release and it's relief knowing the truth. It gives you clarity. And I love that clarity to decide, just like you said. So take us down that. So you had a choice. You could decide and you decided to go down the path of looking inside. I love that. Mm -hmm. How did that change your life? How did that change your perspective on this whole entire devastating news that you had? Mm -hmm. It changed. It changed everything. There literally was not one area of my life where it didn't change things. But what it did is it made me curious about so many different things. 
it allowed me to finally start looking at myself. And, you know, all the times we say, I don't have time for that. I don't have time to see a counselor or I don't have time to get my nutrition and shit. I don't have time to do. I've got time. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to take the time because now it's about me. And it also really put me in a different space with my husband because it wasn't about blame. It was about what's really going on with you. What's really happening? Because we had a lot of fun together. We did have a really good marriage. If we had all this fun together and we had a really good marriage, why would this happen? What's really going on? Mm. And it just allowed me to expand and to get curious. And then we started having conversations. This is what was going on. He started sharing things that was going, that was going on with him that I didn't know. Mm. We started talking. We started talking with the kids more, not that we shared intimate details with them, but we started really talking mental health. My husband had a very traumatic childhood. He had a lot of triggers. He has a lot of damage from the significant trauma. He was a former foster child. So we, he had covert male depression, which is the thing. Mm. We started talking about it. We started sharing that with the kids. We started addressing things within ourselves. These are the ways I distracted. These are the things where I cut people out. And we just had conversations without blame, without judgment. It also really allowed me to step into my business because my brand before, it's the same brand, but it's all about find your sparkle, create a life you love. Well, before those were the high notes. That was the big glorious part about it. Having this, how do you balance that? If you've got a brand about all the high notes, what do you do with the low notes? You integrate them and it makes it resonate in such a richer, more beautiful, authentic way. I learned how to own my shadow. I learned how to bring the depth of that pain into the highs of my joy. So my entire experience was richer and fuller. That's beautiful what you just said. You learned how to bring the depth of that pain into a higher experience. And I always tell clients, you know, if you can assign a higher meaning to your pain, then it dissolves, right? And that for me, and you're talking my language as a life choreographer, and you're talking about the high notes and the low notes and the harmony somewhere in between, you know, that's what it's all about. And, and that's where the beauty comes. I wouldn't have my first album if I didn't have the gut-wrenching, on-your-knees pain that was thrown at me in my life. And then that's where a lot of that springs out, right? You can only stay down there in those lower vibrations for so long, and you need to find a way to bring that up and add, like you're saying, the depth to your own life. And I think the truth, whether we want to hear it or not, is the piece that can add that to our lives, like you're saying. Yeah. And no, it's not fun. It's not fun. And that's okay. And it's also deeper than you have to know the bad in order to know the good. It's deeper than that. It connects you with other people. My experience was infidelity. It could be emotional abuse. It could be verbal abuse. It could be sexual assault. It could be all of these different things. It doesn't matter what your pain is and what your experience is. It's that heart-centered connection that we've all been on the floor, that we've all maybe wanted to die. It's been that bad, that we don't know how to get through. We've all been there. And that's such a human connection. And until we talk about it, then we feel isolated. We feel like something is wrong with me and something mm-hmm. is not wrong with you. That's the human experience. Let's talk about it. We are, you are not alone, 
right? And that's a main reason that I felt safe to put my songs out there. You know, we sing about things we would never actually say sometimes just to connect with others, to let others know that they're not alone, right? Just like as what which is what you're saying. Because that's the big piece of it. When you, you know, especially for the younger generation, I feel like they're a lot more isolated than we were growing up. And that's the main theme. They feel like something's wrong with them because they don't talk about it. Social media here and there, everything looks beautiful. But everybody's brain works the same. We're all like that. We're all wired to look for what's wrong. And when you get fixated on that, you do, you feel like something must be wrong with me. All these great things are happening in my life. Why do I still feel depressed or still feel this or that? And I love your message to let people know that they're not alone and that they can share those stories and that and the depth of their pain because we've all been on the floor. It's a beautiful thing. Oh. oh, absolutely. And also a big piece of that is the bad things do you happen to good people? Because that was so hurtful for me. I kept thinking, but I tried so hard. I did try to be the perfect wife. I did try to be the perfect mom. I did stay up late. I did push through. I did, like, I did. I tried. And when I found out this happened, it was almost like the slap in the face, like, oh, Lori, you didn't try hard enough. You didn't do a good enough job. And just to have that realization that, you know what, you can try your hardest and it can still not work out. And it's not a fault-based thing. That was a big one for me because we're used to getting the gold stars. Right. <laughs> it's so true. Oh my God. We want the gold star, damn it. Yes. <laughs> we have to have the gold star. Yes. And yeah. I didn't get it. Yeah. And, and especially okay. as women, you got the platinum star, baby. You did. Especially as women, we are we are brought up to believe that we have to be all those things. We have to overachieve. And we've got to look good doing it all, too, right? When we're on that yeah. floor crying, we better damn well be dressed well and have our nice yeah. shoes on, right? Cry pretty. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, the, you know, just the ridiculous socialization of women, right? And the fact that that we can just drop that. We don't have to carry that. We don't have to wear those labels. We can be all that and we could be messy and we can have smudged mascara, right? Or no mascara at all for that point. Right. But I love that. You're giving other women permission to step into their truth. And I think that is one of the most empowering things ever. Yeah. And it's not easy, but once you do it, it is so refreshing and it's so yeah. powerful that it becomes easier. And you're like, whoa. Why was I even all hung up on all these things before? It doesn't matter. It's so true. It doesn't matter. And that which does not kill us makes us stronger, right? And we can always glean the lesson in something. And I love what you said about getting curious um, because I think that's a huge part and it's a great mindset. And that's how we start to ask better questions, right? Instead, it's so easy to blame. But when we do that, we shut our minds off, right? We go into that fight or flight. But when we get curious and we say things like, I wonder what I've missed here. I wonder what else is possible. What else could be true here that I haven't seen, right? These great questions, good in, good out, you know? Um, and so don't go anywhere, everybody. I know you're hanging on Laura's every word. We're going to be right back. We're going to talk more about that curiosity mindset. We'll be back after a message from our sponsors. 
Workers Credit Union empowers members to achieve their dreams at any stage of life. With tailored products and services designed to enrich your financial wellness, Workers Credit Union gives you the tools to succeed, like high-interest checking, savings, and CD accounts. Free online and mobile banking help you budget and pay bills on the go. Financial coaching provides guidance when you need it. We encourage you to look for the good, the workers' way. Visit us online at wcu.com or walk into your local branch. Did you know 73% of employees are considering leaving their jobs and almost half of Americans fear being laid off in the next year? That's a lot of fear and anxiety mulling around the office. In today's environment, employees need easy-to-use tools and strategies they can count on when the atmosphere is making them feel less than productive. To find out about proven ways to help your employees turn their stress into success, go to carryrowan.com and sign up for a free wellness consultation for your company today. Ever notice how your brain automatically focuses on what's wrong in your life? Ever wonder why you find yourself telling the same old story about yourself over and over again? Tune into this high-energy show with author and mindset coach Carrie Rowan to find out how to retrain your brain to look for the good every Monday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. Eastern on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Carrie uses powerful storytelling, easy-to-use tools, and inspiring guests to exemplify how a simple shift in perspective can bring miraculous results. Join Carrie on a journey into your own transformation that will leave you feeling inspired, empowered, and ready to find the good every day of your life. Are you tired of feeling stressed and stuck? Did you know that the stories we repeatedly tell can be the very thing that makes us feel worse about our life? In her best-selling book, Tell a New Story, host and author Carrie Rowan shares the five simple steps to release your negative stories and bring joy to your life. This is not your average self-help book. It's a joy to read and it's interactive with QR codes for meditations, original songs, and how-to videos at just the perfect point in the story, which makes transformation easy and at your fingertips. So if you're ready to go from humming a sad song about your situation to finding your voice and whistling a new upbeat tune as you skip along with joy as the new soundtrack of your life, then get yourself a copy of Carrie's highly acclaimed book today. Go to carryrowan.com slash book to get your copy now. That's C-A-R-R-I-E-R-O-W-A-N. Hey, beautiful listeners. Are you tired of the fast-paced life and want an easy way to help you find your calm? Then head over to the new Look for the Good Marketplace. It's chock full of hand-selected books, great classes, calming music, and special readings. All you need to help you move closer to a life you're tickled pink about. Just visit CarrieRowan.com and click on the Marketplace tab to find just the right item to soothe your soul today. That's C-A-R-R-I-E-R-O-W-A-N.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Look for the Good. I'm your host, Carrie Rowan. I'm here with Bryna Haynes. We are having this incredible incredible conversation. We were just talking about what we're willing to tolerate. And before we broke, um, we were talking about what we are willing to tolerate from ourselves. And literally, you gave me a chill when you said that down my whole body. It's such a huge, huge issue for a lot of people, but I think we don't even realize it. And I love that, again, the metacognition is bringing this forward. We're acknowledging that this is something that we do because that's the only place that we can really change what we do, right? Exactly. Yep. When we're bumping up against other people's realities all the time and because everyone creates their own version of reality, there's not really much we can do about that. But um <laughs> You know, and and that's, you know, the events that ensue are not always in our control. You know, I, I am not a big subscriber to the idea that we create every event in our life. 
A lot of them we do because of our tolerances from ourselves, from other people. But sometimes things happen that nobody knows why. Nobody could have, you know, explained it. Um, and quite frankly, are not, you know, deserved. However, um, you know, those often happen because we're bumping up against other people's realities. So mm-hmm. I don't like to do the whole, you know, blame ourselves for everything thing. I did that for a very long time. That was like a big part of the spiritual journey is like, I take responsibility for everything in my life. Like, no, no, I'm actually not responsible for the way that that person behaved toward me. Mm-hmm. What I was responsible for was tolerating it. Right. Mm, absolutely. Uh, or, absolutely. you know, or, or not navigating it differently. My responses. Right. So, um, yeah, I think it's I think it's important, though, when we look at tolerances to see how they shape our stories. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. Um, when we tolerate a lack of personal responsibility from ourselves, everything becomes other people's fault. Yeah. And um, you don't want to get in there. No, that victim mindset is pervasive. It's been something that crops up for me, you know, in that growth spiral over and over. Mm-hmm. It's, well, I didn't have a choice about that. Yes, you did. Cut mm-hmm. it out. Yes, you did, Brian. <laughs> you know, you said yes to that. Maybe you didn't know it was coming, but you still said yes. Um, so, you know, there's there's some of that. But yeah. our tolerances also affect our stories and our ability to create in our lives. Big time. Absolutely. Because those are the things, you know, we make up those stories, right? And when we can't make sense of stuff, that's when we make up a story about it. That's where some of those stories get embedded. We weren't sure how to handle a situation. So, oh, I must be bad or I must be stupid or bad things always happen to me or whatever that negative little mantra is that goes on in your head comes from all that stuff, hitting the fan, not knowing how to deal with it, maybe not even realizing that we were tolerating it, you know? Um, And that's such a huge part of what you're talking about being aligned, because when we're aligned and we know what our intentions are and we, we, our actions match our intentions in life, you know, I want to be X, Y, Z. So I take the behavior that makes me live a life like that because it gets incongruent when it's that awful feeling of like driving along when your car is not in alignment, you know, something's going to break eventually. You're going to go over a bump. The axle's going to crack. Something's going to happen, which is a great metaphor for us and how we drive through life, right? So, yeah. So for you, how do you get in alignment? What makes you feel aligned in your life? What a great question. So for me personally, um, because of the way that I'm designed, I do a lot of study of human design and the Enneagram and all of these, you know, like, let's get in there and understand ourselves. Love it. Mm -hmm. For me personally, I need alone time. And it's been the hardest thing for me to get since I became a parent. Um, (laughs) And I think that's probably true for most of us parents. And when I stopped tolerating my lack of alone time and just said, this is what I need, my amazing husband, who, you know, literally is like, okay, you know, (laughs) we can can make that happen. Um, he, He, you know, his schedule now accommodates me having time to have time to myself to go into that meditative dream state to pull out the ideas that are just waiting for me to be present enough to find them. Um, and when I asked for what I needed, you know, Matthew being the amazing man that he is was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you just needed to say so. Wow. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and so, 
you know, it's, um, that wasn't a, a tolerance that was anywhere outside of me. It was like, I was just tolerating, you know, excuses for myself. And when I needed to stop doing that, um, you know, I, the support arrived as it always does. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but for me, it's definitely, I need time to process. I need time to consider. I need time to dream, to meditate, um, to really be in myself. And it's, um, it's so easy to move away from that. You know, not everyone needs the copious amounts of alone time that I do. I recognize that. Like I'm kind of, yeah, it's like if I could spend, you know, only one day a week with people, that would be like my idea. <laughs> Are you a projector? I, no, I'm a manifester. You're a manifester. I'm a manifester. Of course yeah. you are. Wow. I'm a manifester. Yeah. And an Enneagram five with a four wing. So, wow. Yeah. So it's, it's all about like headspace and information and oh yeah um yeah my mm -hmm. mind can get pretty pretty interesting pretty fast um <laughs> <laughs> as, as in so many of our minds right. um but yeah like my ideal vacation in january i went and spent um nine days in the uk and six of them were up in the lake district and i didn't speak to anyone for six days except for hotel staff and people at restaurants like i just went and walked and was alone and listened to music like okay i found me again mm. now i can go visit my friend in london and you know career around seven dollars and you know eat amazing food and all yeah. the things right yeah um but i think it's super important that we know those things about ourselves because only when we're clear of all the other influences can we access what's true for us mm -hmm. yeah. and it's an important consideration because we can spend our entire lives just reacting and responding to what's around us without ever actually knowing what's true for us I think that's so, again, I come back to your self-awareness is really remarkable and finding that out about ourselves, right? And doing all those things that you've done, you know, human design. I love human design. We actually have a show on our station with human design with a friend of mine, Nancy O'Keefe. It's super powerful. And, and because when you have all that data, all that information about yourself, you can start to become a little objective, right? You can start to say, hey, wait, I know I have a tendency to do this, like you're saying, without it being a big reaction or a denial right? Or, or a defense for us. It becomes owning that, you know, just like owning those stories that we tell, because it's only in owning them, can we change them? So in owning those pieces of ourself that we might not like, the darker side, if you will, you know, um, Kelly Clarkson sang it best in her song. I'm not going to rip into that right now, although I want to. Oh, totally. Can you please? Can you please? <laughs> no, I, you know. <laughs> and so it's like, Everybody's got one, right? And yeah. it's like embracing that, putting our arms around that and saying, I love that about you, Brian, because you're just right out there. Here's what I do. You know, and and here's what I need. And unabashedly. And I know that it's probably took a while to get there. It would take us all a while to get there and just own our pieces. And just being able to say, Hey, I have a tendency to do this and I'm no longer gonna tolerate that. I love that little mantra. I'm gonna adopt that if you don't mind. Please. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that didn't, you know, the piece about the universe doesn't give you what you like or dislike. It gives you what you tolerate did not come from me. Um, that was passed along to me and I don't have an original source for it. So I just want to give credit where credit's due. Like that's not mine. Well, um, not my, my brainchild there. It's your, it's yours today and you're sharing it. And I had not heard it in that way. And, you know, I studied a lot of this for a really long time. So I love that you're giving some 
our listeners just something new, something new that they can use to switch their mindset, to switch those stories of things and take a look, take an inventory of what you're willing to tolerate and what you're no longer willing to tolerate. You know, and like you're talking about, basically when you do that, you are pulling back all that energy that we give away. And we don't even realize that you're sort of, you're cutting those cords, if you will, to the things that are zapping our energy. You know, we walk around exhausted all the time because we never really take a look at the things we're giving our life force. We really do only have so much life force. And when we give it away to all these little things that we're, you know, willing to tolerate, it's really a beautiful, it just reminds me of like a Caroline Mace thing, right? We're calling our energy back because we're no longer willing to do that. I love that. I just love that. That's got to be a book somewhere along the line. Oh, it has to be. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> for sure. Totally. totally a book in there. So you've done so much with books. I, I love the concept, you know, and I talk to people a lot about this, that 80% of people want to write a book. It's crazy. I mean, even just in my, when I tell people I wrote a book, oh, I have, you know, everybody has an idea inside of them and it's probably a really good idea. But why do only 3% of those people actually get down to writing the book, the manuscript, and then only 1% of those people even get to making it into a book? Mm. What is your thought on that? Well, I think that there are a lot of reasons. I think that there are stories inside us that take time to mature. Mm. And, you know, I, I believe that everyone has a book or a story in them. I don't believe that right this very minute is the right time for everyone to share that. Um, sometimes it's divine timing. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's your, your information, uh, needs a level of maturity. For example, like I very, very rarely, I don't want to say never, cause it's not never, but very rarely work with people who are just starting businesses who want to use a book to grow their business. I don't think it works because the minute you put an idea into practice, it changes and it evolves. And as we grow as teachers and leaders, the ways in which we present information will radically change from inception. The process of that evolution gets quicker as we gain more experience. But I also think that putting a lot of effort into a book when you're just starting out and you haven't really road tested your ideas is, I mean, I'm not going to say it's a bad idea, but I think your book will probably not serve you in 12 months mm. uh, or 24 months. And I do think that books need to have a longer shelf life than that. Yeah. Um, especially the kinds of books that I really enjoy working on that are deep and thoughtful and, um, you know, encapsulate people's thought leadership. Mm. I think a certain amount of people not finishing their books or starting their books is tolerance. Oh yeah. It's not, not making time for the thing that feels important to you. It's, yeah being afraid to start. It's being afraid to suck because yeah. you will suck. <laughs> uh, I mean, like I'm raising my hand on it. I started editing because I wanted to be a better writer. Interesting. I, when I, when I first started my freelance writing business at 26, 27 years old, I thought that I was going to be finishing my epic fantasy novel and writing articles for yoga journal because I was a yoga teacher at the time. And, you know, I was like, I'm going to write, you know, articles about awesome organic clothes and I'm going to, you know, <laughs> write about the merits of breath work. And then I'm going to finish my novel about, you know, magic and dragons. And, um, after, multiple, multiple, multiple rejections, well-deserved rejections, by the way, from publishers and agents. <laughs> um, I was like, maybe I'm not as good at this as I thought. <laughs> <laughs> and it was very tempting at that point 
to just walk away and go back to my very lucrative career as a master colorist and, you know, color educator in the salon, right? Like I mm-hmm. gave up that job that was, you know, um, you know, I had amazing clients. I had, you know, I was in a beautiful location. I had an amazing, you know, salon owner that I was renting from. Um, it was tempting because I was like, oh, I, I'm not actually as good at this as I thought. Mm-hmm. And um, something said, no, no, no just keep going. So I took any writing project I could. I wrote SEO for real estate websites. I did articles for nonprofits. I, I did a lot of web copy and blogs. Um, I learned to build websites. I like, I did all these things. And very soon after I made the commitment to stick with it, I met uh, Lisa Tenner, who is a really well-known book coach uh, here in Mm -hmm. New England. And she really liked my work and started sending me referrals for editing and ghostwriting, which is how I ended up as a ghostwriter. Turns out it's very illuminating to write books for other people because it teaches you a lot about your own writing, but also about how to work with other people's ideas. And from that point on, that was, you know, I was barreling down that path. Super amazing full circle moment is that Lisa is actually now one of our authors. I saw that. Yeah, we, (laughs) um, yeah. So the first edition of her journal was published by the incredible Tamara Monosoff and her team. And we picked it up for the second edition uh, to get it into bookstores. So that was super like, just felt so amazing, you know, to come back and, and have that different level of relationship. So anyway, I love that. She's love been on the show. She was, she was one of my first people on the show when she was oh. talking, talking about that book. So, so my, uh, yeah, my listeners know Lisa. So um, we're not going to, we're going to go for just one quick second. We're going to be right back. So holding on to every word that Brian is saying, we'll be right back after a message from our sponsor. Workers Credit Union empowers members to achieve their dreams at any stage of life with tailored products and services designed to enrich your financial wellness. Workers Credit Union gives you the tools to succeed, like high interest checking, savings, and CD accounts. Free online and mobile banking help you budget and pay bills on the go. Financial coaching provides guidance when you need it. We encourage you to look for the good, the workers way. Visit us online at wcu.com or walk into your local branch. Hey, beautiful listeners, are you tired of the fast-paced life and want an easy way to help you find your calm? Then head over to the new Look for the Good Marketplace. It's chock full of hand-selected books, great classes, calming music, and special readings. All you need to help you move closer to a life you're tickled pink about. Just visit CarrieRowan.com and click on the Marketplace tab to find just the right item to soothe your soul today. That's C-A-R-R-I-E-R-O-W-A-N.com. Are you tired of feeling stressed and stuck? Did you know that the stories we repeatedly tell can be the very thing that makes us feel worse about our life? In her best-selling book, Tell a New Story, host and author Carrie Rowan shares the five simple steps to release your negative stories and bring joy to your life. This is not your average self-help book. It's a joy to read and it's interactive with QR codes for meditations, original songs, and how-to videos at just the perfect point in the story, which makes transformation easy and at your fingertips. So if you're ready to go from humming a sad song about your situation to finding your voice and whistling a a new upbeat tune as you skip along with joy as the new soundtrack of your life, then get yourself a copy of Carrie's highly acclaimed book today. Go to carryrowan.com slash book to get your copy now. That's C-A-R-R-I-E-R-O-W-A-N. 
Are you ready to consistently be in the flow of success? Build an abundant business, easily find your right clients, and feel good inviting them into your community to do business with you? If your answer is yes, then you'll want to listen to Business Success with Human Design with Nancy O'Keefe on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network every Thursday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Business Success with Human Design is a podcast designed to help you peel back the layers of who you have been taught to be and how you've been told to do business, moving you from overwhelm to a business model that aligns with your authentic self and feels right for you. Come and explore human design for business with Nancy. Did you know 73% of employees are considering leaving their jobs and almost half of Americans fear being laid off in the next year? That's a lot of fear and anxiety mulling around the office. In today's environment, employees need easy-to-use tools and strategies they can count on when the atmosphere is making them feel less than productive. To find out about proven ways to help your employees turn their stress into success, go to carryrowan.com and sign up for a free wellness consultation for your company today. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Look for the Good. I'm here with Brian Hayes, and I know you're hanging on her everywhere because she's telling us some pretty incredible stuff. And we're talking about books and how you transformed yourself and how you started off as a ghostwriter. And we're talking about why people don't ever publish that book that they're dreaming about publishing. So let's pick up there. Let's talk a little bit about that. You had to learn more about yourself and what kind of writer you were by just diving in and taking whatever work was coming your way. I love that because a lot of times I feel like we don't allow ourselves what we need to do to become that matured writer like you're talking about. Um, and when they fight, right. And so talk a little bit about that. I mean, it feels like it should be such a natural skill. Right. Um, and it feels like it's something that we all do every day. To some extent, we're writing on social media, we're writing emails where, you know, some of us are writing blogs or, you know, content for our online audiences. Um, and it, it feels like it should be so easy to translate that into writing a book. Um, and when we find out it's not, we can feel like we've we've hit a wall. So yeah, reasons people don't finish their book, like we talked about, one is divine timing, you know, waiting until whatever's percolating has matured enough to really be communicated in that way. Mm-hmm. Two is frustration, right? It's oh, this is not as easy as I thought. Maybe, you know, maybe this isn't for me. Mm-hmm. Um And another reason, again, is what we tolerate from ourselves. It takes discipline to sit your butt down and put words on a page every day. I I still struggle with this. I work in big waves. Like I'll ride a creative wave. I'll write for like 16 hours when I can, you know, if I have good, good, good care coverage, you know, or I'll, (laughs) I'll write from like 9 p.m. to 3 in the morning, or I'll get up at 5 and I'll write until everybody wakes up. Um, and then I'll have days where I'm like, there's just no freaking way. I can't do this today. It's Mm -hmm. not today. Mm -hmm. And you know, when you're writing and editing, oh my God, 10 to 15 books a year, I think is my, my current pace. Like you can't procrastinate for long or stuff really starts falling apart. So I've gotten better at coaxing myself into that state, but when you're not on someone else's timeline, when you're not you know, it's not part of your career when you're doing this as a labor of love. It's a lot harder to find that motivation. It sure is. And it's, you know, waiting for that inspiration, if you will. You know, I don't just sit down and write a song. I write a song when I feel inspired, right? Or even my book, you know, 
I, I couldn't have that mindset or it wouldn't have gotten written. If I waited to feel that perfect minute that I need to feel inspired, I wouldn't have a 13 chapter book sitting here next to me. Right. And exactly. so it, right. It takes that. And it's the training of the body. You said sitting the butt down. It is. It's training that animal of our body that wants to get up and go have a snack or, Oop, I forgot to do order this on Amazon. Oh, I forgot, you know, that, that monkey brain of ours. It's learning the mindset because I think there is, there's a certain mindset that goes into, I'm going to write this book. It's going to be the best thing that can come out of me today. And you can always go back and edit it, which is the magic of it. You could edit, I could still be editing my book too, but that's a whole nother story. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there comes a point where the editing does need to be done. Um, (laughs) You need to like shut that tap off. But um, I, the metaphor that I always share with people is that writing is a multi-step process like creating a piece of pottery. When you're writing your first draft, you are literally scooping clay out of the ground and popping it on your your pottery wheel. Mm -hmm. That's all you're doing. You're excavating the raw material and slapping it on a plate. If you try to shape that, if you try to like maneuver that, manipulate that while you're still scooping stuff onto the plate, you know what your work is going to be? A mess. Mm-hmm. It's never going to be finished. And it's going to be just, you know, it's going to be a never ending project. We have to allow ourselves the mess mm. and just, you know, scoop all the raw material out so we know what we're working with. And then we can begin a process of refinement. And when most people think about writing, they're going to like write a paragraph and then like, oh no, that's not right. I have to go back and perfect that. Like you don't even know what you're working with at this point. Don't do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And that process of trying to be in the right brain and the left brain at the same time, to try to be creative and analytical at the same time, there are people who can hold that space simultaneously. I happen to be one of them, Mm -hmm. but most people, it's not helpful to try. Um, Most people, it's very helpful to be in the creative brain for as long as it takes to excavate all of that raw material and then switch to the analytical brain. So like, okay, so here's this pile of material. I'm going to sort it this way. I'm going to arrange it this way. And then I'm going to begin to refine and then I'm going to shape and then I'm going to handle the details. And most of the time that's best done in the company of a really great editor. Uh, Amen. Absolutely. You're nothing without your great editor because of that reason, right? I mean, and it's like, it going, like you said, going from that left brain to right brain. I love that um, description of that. And that's more hard for some people than others. So why not just get everybody in their creative brain, get everybody on that right side and write it. I love that. And the, and the pottery analogy is really, really a great visual too, because you're just going to have a sloppy mess if you don't just get out there. And that's what everybody says. Just, just get, get it out and write it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I know for me, if I didn't have a little bit of pressure too, I like a deadline, right? I need a deadline. I know that about myself. So if I didn't have the pressure of, you know, in the beginning, I started with, you know, uh, a publisher, then ended up self-publishing, but I had that pressure. And I'm so grateful that I took that whole path because that's what made me write the book. Oh, wow. They want it done by this date. I got to back into that. How am I going to do that? Right. But for me, the outline, getting that framework with the outline, you know, and then I actually did a proposal first, which really forced me to write the chapters beginning. I always like to write that way though. The two bookmarks, if you will, the beginning and the end, because I love the end and I love the beginning. So, and then you can fill in the rest. So, but really getting into that creative space. And I think that creativity is one of the most important things we do in everything. We just forget about it. It gets squeezed out of us throughout our life. Well, I think, you know, 
the creative process is so often seen as a means to an end. You know, um, we want the book. We don't necessarily want the act of writing the book. And I think that's probably reason number four why most people don't write a book is that <laughs> when they they really realize they want to be an author, but they don't want to be a writer. Mm. And there's a difference. And so the solution to that, of course, is to hire a really qualified ghostwriter. If you are, you know, have a really world-changing idea that you know needs to exist in the form of a book, but you do not want to put in the time and blood, sweat, and tears to become a great writer, there's a solution for that, right? It's mm -hmm. going to require an investment of different kinds of resources, mm -hmm. but there is a solution for that. And definitely what I find for my clients in that space is that they are tremendous experts in their fields. They do not want to become expert book writers. Mm. They don't need another career, right? Um, that was a mistake that I made, uh, you know, as a, as a teacher earlier in my career as a freelancer. And I was like, oh, I'm going to create a course and I'm going to teach people how to write books. And, you know, I had a, a few really amazing students and many of them did go on to finish their books, which was great. But what I found out in the course of that is exactly what I just said. People want to be authors, but they don't necessarily want to be writers. And more, they didn't want to learn what I had invested 10 years learning, mm. um, you know, and so it's really a question of, do I desire the end product enough to go through the creative process in this really deep way and go through the learning that's necessary? Or do I want the end product enough to invest the time and money and resources to have someone help me with this? Or do I just want the end product for some ephemeral reason? Do I want to be an author because all my peers are authors? Mm. Well, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think getting really clear with ourselves about yeah. the, the true desire behind the project. Yeah. The best books are given as gifts from the heart. Mm -hmm. They're an encapsulation of someone's energy and leadership and creative thinking and innovation. And they're given as a gift to the audience to say this, you know, this information really needs to be out there. And I'm going to create something that will allow it to be out there and do my work for me. And I think all the books that we consider our favorite books, well, in the nonfiction space, at least, mm -hmm. um, all of the books that changed our lives were created with that energy. Mm -hmm. um, it's a different thing to create something from, you know, an energy of like, I want this product to be serving my business. Doesn't mean it won't be a great book. Um, but there's a different mindset and approach to creating something like that than to creating a gift of thought leadership. Absolutely. And the, and the reception, right? I mean, what I'm receiving, because when it comes, it's, it's just like a song, right? When I write a song that comes from deep within my heart of something that I felt, it feels as if I'm sharing my heart and somebody receives that directly into their heart. And I feel like that's the biggest difference. And people can feel that. People sense that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And so it's perfectly okay that this creating this also benefits you. Like it's not this, you know, martyrdom sort of piece. Like I'm going to write a book and it's only for everybody else. Like, no, it's going to do amazing things for you and for your work and your business. And, you know, that doesn't negate that. But again, you know, is, are you passionate enough about giving this gift that you're willing to go through the process of actually birthing it? 
of actually creating it. Um, and I think for some people, the answer is no, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I mean, I would love to be a great painter. Am I willing to go through the process of learning to paint that I could actually create something that wouldn't make me want to vomit? No, <laughs> I'm not willing to do that. I don't have the time and the energy for that. It would be a departure from my path. And I think getting clear with ourselves about that too. You know, we all have dreams that have nothing to do with our current trajectory. And some of them are calling us for a really good reason. And some of them are just fun things for our ego to play with. Yeah. And yeah. We can tell the difference pretty easily when we when we look at it, you know. I mean, yeah. I always had a dream about being, you know, a fashion model as a kid. And uh why did I want it? Because I wanted people to look at me like they look at fashion models. Right. Yeah. Was that necessary to my path. <laughs> no. No, it just created a whole lot of like body dysmorphia and inner bullshit. Like let's yeah. be real, right? Mm-hmm. But the reason I wanted it was not strong enough for me to actually pursue it and do what would have been necessary to gain it. Yeah. And I think knowing the difference for ourselves is extraordinarily powerful. It's so huge. Again, I'm going to come back to the self-awareness piece that you offer and that you offer everybody else. You take a look inside, you know, if that 80% of people, they want the book and that's the question, do you want to be the author or do you want to be the writer? And I really love that you offer that solution to people as, as you offer ghostwriting. Um, because that's a, it's a way to get the end result, you know, without having to force yourself into it. Like you just brought us through those really beautiful four reasons why. And so that's the question you ask yourself, you know, what is it that I really want from this? Because I personally enjoyed the journey, but I'm a writer. I've always been a writer, right? Songwriter, exactly. whatever, right? Yeah. I always told my three minute stories in a song, right? So for me, that resonated with who I was and always knew that I was as a little, little kid. And I, and I always take people through that exercise. If you're unsure, go back to what you used to do as a kid right? And I wrote poetry all the time for people. I don't know why I did that. I put on shows, right? So take a look at that. What did you do? What was the creative thing? Because we were all so creative when we we're kids until life rings it out of us. So I love that little exercise if people are wondering, well, I'm not really sure, you know, go back and look at what you used to do. And I love that you used to, like me, uh, sister in kind, be a singer songwriter. <laughs> yeah. So I, um, I started playing music at a very early age. I played classical music. I was trained on the violin from ages four to 10. And then I picked wow. up oboe and I played with the Rhode Island Philharmonic Youth Orchestra. I got to play a couple of shows with the Rhode Island Philharmonic, which was amazing as a teenager. Um, in my last two years of high school, played with the Rhode Island College Symphony because they were short. Wow. And I very quickly decided upon graduation that going to school for classical music was not in my future. Again, <laughs> I loved the idea of being a world famous musician. Was I willing to go through all of the steps necessary to get that? The answer was a clear no. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did spend a year in Atlanta in 1998, making a living playing guitar in coffee shops and uh, and you know on the side of the road. And <laughs> I love, I love yeah. that. <laughs> to know. play in the club that the Indigo Girls owned. It was like a big thing. Ooh, yeah. Um, and you know, once again, it was a dream. I wanted to be looked at like people looked at Jewel and Ani DeFranco and all of the amazing female singer songwriters of my generation. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't willing to do what was necessary to have that life. I wasn't willing to live on ramen noodles for years. I wasn't willing <laughs> to. Oh God, a year was enough. I, like, by the end of that, I was like, feed me something that is not ramen noodles. I mean, I was so broke. It was so bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, And, um, you know, I I wasn't willing to go through all of the rejection 
and all of the, you know, the tempestuous ups and downs and the approval seeking and the, you know, I just, I wasn't ready for it in that arena. And I realized that the reason I wanted that was not because I wanted to be of service as a creator. It was because I wanted to be viewed in a certain way. Mm. And that didn't fully come through for several years, but I know that it was my soul that influenced that decision um, because I ended up doing what I'm really meant to do. And I still love, you know, love playing music, still lead the occasional kirtan, yoga, sacred music journey stuff. Um, and uh, it'll always be a part of my life, but it's not the creative path that was really laid out for me. Mm -hmm. um, because if it had been, I would have been willing Yes. Do what it took. Exactly. I love that. Really, really powerful. But the underlying theme of your creativity, and you're still tapping into that now, and you're teaching other people how to do that, and you're offering. I, I just love your your business model of what you offer, and this new thing that's sort of uh, been the new kind of you know craze, if you will, is the collaborative book model, and I love that too. So if anybody's interested in finding out more about Bryna and the work she does with World Changers Media, where can they find you? So the best place to find me is worldchangers.media. Uh, that's our website. If you want to have a chat and get to know me better, you can book a, an, a call with me right on the homepage. Um, we don't do free downloads or, or any kind of um, you know lead magnet stuff. I really would rather just have conversations with people. So if there's anything you're curious about, you can just uh, you know get on a call with me and I'm happy to, to hear about your big ideas and support you however I can. I love that, Bryna. Thank you so much for coming on today. That was just so much wisdom in a short period of time. And I know everybody's really going to soak that all up. So thank you again for spending this time with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I love you. Thank you. No, oh, I love you too. And thank you everybody for listening in today. And remember, it's never too late to live your best story. Take care and be well. Thanks for tuning in to Look for the Good with your host, Carrie Rowan, best-selling author and mindset coach. Join us every Monday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. right here at Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. If you weren't able to catch an episode, no worries. Just visit our website to find all the archived episodes of Look for the Good on demand so you don't miss a thing. And remember, it's never too late to live your best story. For additional resources or to find out about how you can work with Carrie directly, visit CarrieRowan.com for more details. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow.